Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to the Healthy Herb Podcast, a place of information and inspiration for the home herbalist. I'm Bridget Dougherty of the Solidago School of Herbalism, coming to you from a bridged island on the coast of Maine. In today's show, I'm talking about herbs that I worked with um, during our little cold and flu season pre-holiday, and a little bit of this and a little bit of that as we get into the new year. Before we get started, I want you to know that I'm not a doctor, nor do I diagnose or treat people. What I share is based on my own experience and what I've learned from my mentors. Ultimately, I want you to be empowered in seeking and achieving your own version of optimum health. I want you to be inspired to connect and relate to the common plants that grow all around you. Together, let's make home herbalism be as common in the everyday household as cooking a healthy meal. Now, without further ado, let's have some fun and dig in. Well, Happy New Year. It's actually towards the end or middle of January at this point, and I'm pretty excited. This is right around the time that marks two years of the Healthy Herb Podcast, which is uh, pretty impressive to myself. Um, I know I've taken some breaks, a couple breaks here and there, but mostly I feel like I've been, you know, really putting out some good information and herbal inspiration for you all. And I want to thank you all for joining me and checking it out. Just as a reminder, in the past episodes, if you haven't gone back through them and listened to them, definitely check them out. There are some gems in there. And generally what I did, especially in the first year of the podcast, but probably mostly throughout the podcast is I worked, I talked about herbs seasonally. So, you know, a year ago around this time, I was talking about all the winter spices like cinnamon and clove and cardamom and all those delicious spices. So if you want to be refreshed on those, or if you're interested and you are new to the podcast, go back to some past episodes about a year ago. And there's some really great information about all of your nice warming winter spices. I think what I really liked doing about the Herbal Monograph podcast episodes are I really like talking about the history and I love just looking at the relationship between humans and plants and specific plants, especially medicinal plants through time and especially historically. 
So I don't know where I'm going with this podcast. I did do some interviewing towards the end of last year, which was fun. Um, I think I noticed that maybe my listeners are less interested in the interviews and really want to hear about the herbs. Um, So instead of the people working with the herbs. But I do like telling herbal stories and listening to different people's stories. I'm sure I will still incorporate some interviews, but I will get back to just talking about the herbs and how we can work with them in everyday life and in our own houses. Uh, So here we are in the new year, 2023. Um, I had a couple New Year's goals or resolutions Um, One is nourishing herbal infusions on a daily basis. That's always a great resolution or a goal or a reset. I find that I will, you know, get into the habit of working with the nourishing infusions and be drinking them daily. And then something will happen in my life or my schedule will change and I'll not make them for a day or two. And then I really, you know, takes, I have to like restart the momentum again. So the goal is to just keep the momentum going, and if I slip a day or two, just to like get right back on it. And I feel like that's the same with the podcast for me as well. If I do a weekly podcast, keep the momentum rolling, it's a lot easier than if I end up skipping a podcast, if it's the holiday season, or if I go on vacation or something, and then, or if life just gets super busy, and then it's hard for me to jump back in to doing the podcast. So I think um, just in general, a resolution of mine is just to keep the ball rolling as best I can and not to let let it slow down or stop because then it can just uh, really hinder the momentum in general. I don't know, maybe you found that in your life as well. I would say another goal of mine this winter is to eat more roasted vegetables. I have been loving roasting vegetables. It's so easy. You just basically rough chop the vegetables or even roast them whole with a little bit of salt and olive oil and put them in the oven and, you know, 350 up to 400, 450, depending on the vegetable and how much time you have. And just, I think the, the, you know, maybe 350 for a longer time is better than 450 for a shorter time, but we do what we can, right? And they're just so good. Just the whole vegetable, parsnips, beets, broccoli, cauliflower is delicious, sweet potato, and whole carrots, potatoes. I mean, I've just been loving any vegetable that's like a root vegetable, I guess, or broccoli is not a root vegetable, but, you know, a solid kind of vegetable. So good, just roasted plain. And then I love them as a leftover lunch to go. So, you know, take some sort of a dip or hummus or a dressing or even just an everything seasoning uh, like a bagel, everything bagel seasoning type of thing, and then just maybe a hard-boiled egg, and it's the perfect on-the-go lunch. One thing that I've absolutely loved, just as a little inspiration, maybe you're into it, is when I get those like late-night munchy snack mood or if I want something sweet, 
what I've been doing is I have been eating uh, roasted vegetable, uh, roasted beets specifically right out of the fridge. So I roast a bunch of beets and then I just keep them in the fridge. I roast them whole and then uh, I don't even peel them or anything. And then at night when I have that like sweet craving instead of running and getting ice cream or whatever the unhealthy thing would be, I get the beets and I peel peel them and I chop them up into small bits and then I um, put a little bit of apple cider vinegar and toasted sesame and maybe a little bit of tamari on them and then like um like everything spice seasonings just for a little crunch you know or you could do sesame seeds or maybe even toasted sunflower seeds and it is so good and it just hits all those notes the sour craving the sweet craving it's hearty but it's you know you can just eat a small amount of it and it has been like my favorite go-to um sweet treat so if you're looking for a healthy go-to sweet treat give it a try Another goal of mine has been yoga once a week, which I had really strayed from for a long time. So that feels good to be getting back into that. So then I was thinking, well, what are my New Year's resolutions for the podcast? Or what are my goals for 2023 for the Healthy Herb podcast? And I don't, I, you know, I want to keep doing it. So that's a good goal, right? And hopefully I will my summer schedule will allow this year where I won't have to take a break like I did last year. So my goal is to still do a weekly podcast for y'all and to get back to talking about specific herbs. I had some ideas. One idea is, you know, to go through my home apothecary, which is ridiculous. There's just a ridiculous amount of remedies more than I could ever need or use. And just to kind of randomly pick one off the shelf or a random dry herb and, um, you know, maybe just play around with it for a week, take it, do a little research on it, um, write down thoughts and experiences that I already know about it, and then just share that. So I'm thinking about doing that um, as just a way to get back into the pod without the heavy research side. You know, the fact that I have this very small grassroots, just one person talking into a microphone, doing my editing um, and promoting it is, it makes me feel, you know, I'm, I feel good. I feel good about what I've put out there. And I, I've really enjoyed watching the listening audience grow. Um, And so I just wanted to say, I appreciate you being here and listening. And I really appreciate all the reviews that you've offered. Um, And if you would like to leave a review, I would love that. It does help more people see the podcast if they're searching for herbal podcasts. But really, you know, my main mission is just to really inspire you to connect with plants in whatever way you can to be healthier and happier and more joyful in life. So I hope that that comes across. Uh, Another thought for the podcast I had was um, to do a little series, maybe an adaptogen series or a tonic herb series or a mint family plant series. 
So those are some things I have in mind. Um, I'm also interested in interviewing folks. So if you want to be interviewed, if you are an herbalist and want to share your story, um, connect with me, Solidago Herbs at no Solid yeah Herbs School at gmail.com and let me know and we'll see if it would be a good fit. The other goal that I'm thinking for the podcast is because I really love telling herbal story, herbalist stories. I was thinking, well, maybe I should tell my story. And so just so you know where I'm coming from and maybe it will, you can relate to it or be more inspired by it. So I was thinking at the end of every podcast episode, I would maybe tell a little story um, of my herbal adventures or life as, you know, starting as a child and working up to the present day. So I'll have lots of content there, but, you know, just short little stories, but just little glimpses and hopefully that they could be inspiring or relatable. So that's all what I've been thinking about lately. Um, another thing I've been thinking about is winter. And here we are, um, you know, finally, we just have a snow cover here on the coast of Maine, which usually it, it uh, you know, we have one sooner than now. But I really, when as the seasons change and turn, I often think of the wheel of the year, the the pagan year, the Celtic wheel of the year, the pagan wheel of the year, the solar wheel of the year, and how it can be divided into quarter holidays and cross-quarter holidays, depending on how the sun moves. So at the solstices, the winter solstice is commonly known as the shortest day of the year when, when the sun, we have the least sun in the north and the summer solstice is when we have the most sun in the north and so for me it really makes sense that that would be the climax of the season like the climax of winter is the darkest day and then from there on instead of the start of winter being the darkest day and then from there on as the days get lighter and lighter and lighter we move towards spring so and I think historically, this is how it was viewed at before when we were more connected with the land and the light. And now I feel like what we're more connected with are the weather patterns, which are very fluctuating, obviously, but, you know, they're there, obviously. And then the um, holidays and, you know, different events that mark maybe the change of the season like in the fall it might be the the local county fair might mark the start of fall for some people or christmas might mark the start of winter for some folks but for me it's the cross quarter holidays so halloween or Samhain marks the start of chris of winter for me and February 2nd in bulk marks the start of spring for me. And I love that shift. It's super subtle. 
but it really, it takes a sensitivity to recognize and feel it. But once you really notice these patterns, I feel like it just makes more sense. Like May Day is the start of summer. And then summer solstice is the middle of summer. It's like the highest that the sun is. And then the sun starts to get, you know, the days start getting shorter after that. And we start moving toward fall. In the beginning of August, Lamas, the harvest season, is the uh, start of fall. And so, you know, in bulk, February 2nd, that marks when the, especially in Ireland anyway, when the uh, sheep would start lambing and, you know, life would just start giving birth again and the buds on the trees would start to swell a little bit. And in warmer climates, that's when the dandelions are blooming, not here in Maine, but Anyhow, so I'm feeling like midwinter, we just passed midwinter, the light is starting to shift and in a few couple of few weeks, the beginning of February, in my mind is the really early start of spring. Some people call it the second winter. <laughs> um, but so that's where I'm at with that, the sun calendar. And then I wanted to talk a little bit about our cold and flu season that came early here on the island right before the holidays. Um, so kind of the middle of December, end of December. Who man, it was it was a rocking one this year. Influenza, COVID, and um, RSV were just sweeping the schools, sweeping the community, and it's a lot. It's intense. And I think that it's, um, it's more intense now since um, the pandemic days, the COVID days, because for many reasons, and this is all just my own personal theory. So uh, take it or leave it um, or look into it if you'd like. But I'm thinking that, you know, the first year that we had COVID, well, my daughter was in kindergarten and they were all wearing masks like the whole year and there was like zero illness, right? Zero spread. And it was hyper sanitary, hyper um, hand sanitizer and all this, which in some ways was like, okay, well, there's less germs being passed around. That's great. Um, but then at the same time, I feel like it really kind of depleted our immune response, or I feel like the immune system needs to have something to fight, right? It's like, that's its job. We need to have germs that get passed around to keep the immune system active um, and to give it something to focus on other than our own tissues and bodies. So my whole thought was with all of the sanitation that we were having, sanitization, I don't know, whatever that word is, all of this um, really sanitary practices that that we would be depleting our immune functioning or making it so we'd be more likely to have autoimmune conditions pop up because the immune system's looking for something to fight. And so if it doesn't have any pathogens to fight, it's going to start fighting our own body. 
Um, the other thing I was thinking is that with all of the hand sanitizer and bleach everywhere and, you know, that that would also affect our immune system by killing off our own gut flora by, you know, people spraying essential oils into the air um, or any sort of antimicrobials just on all the surfaces. I feel like, you know, we want to live in a living ecosystem and that includes bacteria um, and that includes, you know, viral messages that are all around us that are important for our functioning. So this year when all of the restrictions were down finally and we're just back to life as normal, um, the flu season was just really intense. And for the first time I've ever remembered from pre-COVID times, you know, schools were closing um, just due to influenza, RSV, just due to not, you know, the staff, not enough staff because they were all homesick, not enough kids because they were all homesick and just having to, you know, close the schools, do deep cleans and just, um, you know, cancel holiday concerts and whatnot. It's just, it's a bit of a new world, which is really interesting to me. So, we did. We had some lung and sinus stuff going around our house for what felt like an extended amount of time, whether it was RSV or some sort of cold. I don't know, but it it is what it is. And I feel like with herbs and herbalism, you don't necessarily need to know because herbs are exactly like what what the issue is. Like herbs are so broad spectrum in their action um, and work in like a sphere of action that, you know, antiviral herbs tend to work for a bunch of different or against a bunch of different viruses. And um, if whether you're congested due to a cold or a flu or a sinusitis or bacteria or whatever, um, herbs that fight pathogens and clear the sinuses are going to work for any of them. So that is one really nice aspect of working with herbs is like, you don't need to know exactly what the issue is. You can actually work with the symptoms and understanding, you know, how your body feels and then matching herbs that can counter those symptoms. And usually um, they can be quite effective so I thought I would talk a bit about some of the herbs that we worked with while we were, you know, keeping our immune system up, avoiding influenza, um, and trying to get through the cough and the stuffiness and the exhaustion that we were dealing with. So one thing that I think is really important is just acknowledging that rest is maybe the most important thing, which can be really hard, especially in uh, today's American culture. And when we have to go to work and school and have to make money, and all of a sudden it's like, just to survive. <laughs> and then, oh my gosh, like we have to take a week off and rest and sleep. And ah, uh, it's hard. It's hard to make, at least for myself, it's hard for me to 
when it's first coming on, be like, oh, can we just push it another day? Like, I really need to get this work done. Or maybe Isla, you know, my daughter is not as sick as as she might be, or maybe she can go to school, or maybe she can't. It's all very, you know, is that sore throat from the wood stove dry air, or is she getting sick? You know, all these questions we have to ask ourselves. And as a parent, sometimes it's Oh, hard to know the right thing to do. But I think ultimately, um, rest is really important, especially at the onset, if you really start feeling crummy. And then, so then it's sometimes when you're really sick, it's hard to actually make remedies or even think about digging out some herb at the bottom of your herb basket or herb pantry. So it's really nice before the cold and flu season to comes to have your remedies ready to go, that they're made or that they are right there, readily accessible if you need to make them in the moment, like a tea, an herb for a tea or infusion or something. So what we worked with for ourselves, uh, elderberry, of course, the old standby uh, elderberry syrup that I had made earlier in the winter or the fall. So that's, and I just have a big quart jar of it in the fridge and just um, taking half of an ounce maybe at a time. I just pour a little bit into a shot glass. You can either water it down or just take it whole. And if you're, and if we were feeling sick in the moment, then we would take it like as often as we thought about it. If my daughter has a cough, I tend to use her cough as a signal to like take a remedy. So anytime she coughs, eventually she knows or gets into the habit of, oh, I coughed. I have to take a sip of my tea or I coughed. It's time for a spoonful of elderberry syrup or, you know, just because it's easy to to not take the remedies or to have that cup of tea, especially for kids and just like let it sit around. And so it's nice to have reminders or triggers to take the remedy. So I feel like um, if you have a cough, then coughing is a good reminder, especially for children. Uh, another thing that we worked with that I really enjoyed was a herbal steam. And my daughter, she, it's too hot for her to actually like put her head near the steam still or to put a towel over it. She's seven. But I, I love to make a steam and then I'll put my head with a towel over it. For her, even if she's just kind of near the steam, the steaming pot, so I'll boil some water, take it off the heat, put some aromatic herbs in it. I have really enjoyed uh, lavender, rosemary, thyme, or mint combination or one, or any one of those kind of in a large amount um, in a big pot of water and... Um, then cover it with a lid so it concentrates the volatile oils, but you want the water to still be steaming hot. So maybe just for like five minutes or a couple minutes and then bring it to a table um, and lean over it or sit over it and uh, put a towel over your head. One way that we've done it with kids is to put blankets over like the kitchen table and put the steam pot under the table and have as long as the kid is old enough to know not to touch the pot or kick it or spill it, it's just going to kind of be under there and breathing the steam for a little bit of time. Um, or you could even put the pot under the table 
and um, put the blankets over there until a lot of steam kind of and scent builds up in there and then remove the pot with the boiling with the hot water and put the kid under the table to kind of breathe in that steam but often I would even just bring up a pot like a little sauce pot with these steam herbs super hot and steamy and put it right next to the bed when my daughter was in bed um sick and that was nice plus it just makes the room smell really nice and also, so having that going and then also having a humidifier going, I find also really helps kind of cut down um, the coughing and really helps to ease the breathing through the night, through sleeping. Another herb that I love to work with and we worked with anytime we're sick, especially if there's a sore throat or any sort of cold or flu uh, for a child or like a hot, dry cough or anything like that, or a fever, is linden blossom. And that's an herb that we have on hand anyway, because it's part of our nourishing infusion routine. But I make it extra strong. So for the nourishing infusions, I just weigh out half an ounce of the linden blossom and put it in a quart jar and cover it with boiling water and let it steep for four to eight hours. And then strain it out and really squeezing it all the way out. Uh, through a straining cloth. If we're sick or if we have a sore throat, then I'll do a full ounce of linden blossom in a quart jar. And it just gets really kind of thick and mucilaginous, which is so soothing and cooling to any inflamed mucous membrane. Plus, it's a classic cold and flu herb, especially in France and Europe. Um, so and it tastes great and my daughter loves the flavor of it. I'll even put it in her water bottle if she's, you know, recovered but and going to school but maybe still has a little bit of a residual cough. And she loves that. Um I'll also put it in smoothies as the smoothie base. It's very sweet and mild tasting. After you strain out the linden and you squeeze it out and you still feel like there's a lot of mucilage in the plant material, you can just put that plant material back in the sauce in a sauce pot puts a couple more cups of water on top of it, bring it to a quick boil and then let it and remove it from the heat and let it sit again for a couple of hours just to kind of draw out more of that mucilage as the water cools. Um, other herbs along the, that realm of really supporting immune health, maybe leading like just while you're in the midst of the cold and flu season. So, um, elderberry is really helpful. Linden is helpful. And then also I love astragalus root um, in a nourishing herbal infusion. So weighing out an ounce of the astragalus root, putting it in a quart jar, filling the jar to the top with boiling water and letting it sit for four to eight hours and then straining it out. And that also is delicious. It's kind of rooty tasting like earthy, but also very sweet. And that really just supports immune function. Um, some herbalists say, you know, it's not the best herb to take if you're in the depth or height of a, of a cold or a flu. But I think that's debatable. And I think if you have it on hand, um, it has shown to have some antiviral properties, some fever reducing properties, and just um, immune supporting properties all in all. So, and also it's nourishing. It really helps if you're debilitated or not eating a lot, but still need nutrition. 
and it really supports the microbes in the gut. So I think it's fine uh, during even if you are having a cold or a flu in the in the midst of it all. And then another herb similar to that is uh, rose hips. Dried rose hips made into a nourishing infusion the same way by weighing out an ounce, putting it in a cart jar, just as we did the linden and the astragalus, letting it sit for a long time. And that's also delicious. Some people also make rose hip syrup, but I really like the infusion. And then that can be easily added to smoothies. Also, I have astragalus root powder and rose hip root uh, rose hip powder that I also like to add to smoothies as well. Because when my daughter's sick, um, usually she really likes to have a nice smoothie. So in the smoothie will be yogurt. It'll have an infusion as the watery base to it, some frozen berries. Yeah, like the stragulus and rosehip powder and some elderberry syrup all into the smoothie. And it tastes good. Um, you can even add a little more honey to sweeten it if that's what the kids like. Uh, it's soothing to the throat. It's easy to consume. You can you know, have it in small amounts. And so it just works really well. What else did we work with? When the cough really became noticeable that it was here to stay, um, and then I also got it, then it was time to break out the Elecamp pain uh, in a tincture form, also in an Oxymel. And the Elecamp pain, oh, and in a honey. So I had Elecamp pain root that I had infused in honey. And then in my daughter's tea, whatever tea she'd be drinking, I would put a scoop of the Elecamp honey with like one or two of the roots. Elecampane has a lot of volatile oils in the root, which is what really helps to penetrate um, these like really kind of dry, stuck coughs. A great way to harness those volatile oils or at least preserve them is by slicing the root and fresh root and infusing it in honey. So putting it in a jar and covering it with honey. And that really, you know, preserves the volatile oils in the root so that you can easily make a tea as if you're making the tea with the fresh root. And then you also have the benefits of the honey as well, which really nice uh, is sweetens the tea. Elecampane is a flavor that some people might be adverse to, but I think that even, you know, I was able to put um, a couple of slices of root plus a spoonful of the honey plus um, some other herbal tea and you know my daughter would drink it with no problem and then I myself might just do the plain elecampane in hot water with the honey or even maybe put some echinacea tincture in there with the elecampane and the honey. And I've also just, you know, maybe even taken the root out of the honey and chewed on it as well as a nice cough remedy. So elecampane, there is a whole episode somewhere in the archive of elecampane. So you can look for that and, um, I go into great depths. It's an awesome plant. I love it so much. It's beautiful to grow. It's easy to grow. And it's easy to harvest pieces of the root without having to kill the whole plant. 
So if you have some garden space, I highly recommend tra tracking down some elecant pane and planting it so that you have easy access to fresh root to make remedies with. Um, other things that we worked with, really, the main thing is the other thing that my daughter really loves is like a ramen soup. So basically like a nice soup broth, um, bone broth or veggie stock with some nice ramen noodles and just to be able to sip on that as easy nourishment plus the noodles can be pretty easily digested, at least for her. Lots of rest, like I said, at the start, which can be hard to allow ourselves to do, but it's so important. And then after you know recovering from the illness or in the recovery phase is just time to allow the body to work um, and to recover and then also to learn like it's your body's immune system, especially if it's a virus. It's your body's way of learning um, and forming a new tool um, to then hence an antibody, I guess, that it will have in its toolbox for future exposure to that virus or to a similar virus. So just even for kids, I know it's hard sometimes you just want to get them back to school, but even like an extra day or two of rest can really help um, even after the sickness seems to be gone, just to recover and regroup before jumping right back into the real world. So that's what we were working with mostly and really helped us get through um, the, the cold and flu season that happened. Who knows, there might be another round that's coming our way now that school is back in session, but at least we know that we have these allies and so many more to rely on. But that's what we worked with over and prior to the holiday season. Now, for the rest of this pod episode, I'm going to start with my herbal journey story and just I'm going to start at the very beginning. So I was born in no, just kidding. Um, but I was I, I was I first lived in Vermont when I was a small child in Hyde Park, Johnson area of Vermont. And my parents were, you know, the back to the lander hippies that came up from Boston and New Jersey and got married and moved to the sticks of Vermont, which that area is still, at least last I drove through, very, still very, very remote. So they had sheep and chickens. And, you know, some of my youngest memories are um, cuddling with the lambs and fighting with the roosters and just really being surrounded by really extreme hills and fields and just playing outside and being at one with nature. And I think as a child, one of my favorite memories that when I first really started connecting with plants was my, my parents had, um, were clearing some land and they had a big burn pile. And after the burn pile burned, um, there was a big open patch of ash. And my mom said that that could be my garden. I think I was probably 
around six or seven. And she gave me wildflower seeds and a packet, I'm pretty sure of some sort of flower seed packet. And I spread the seeds all through that burn pile um, ash that was cleared. And I just remember being awed and amazed by the beauty of just the flowers and being able to sit next to them and watch them grow and bloom and feeling a connection with this one little piece of land and the flowers. And I just, it was just a very strong, sensual memory for me. That and then also in my mom's garden, in my mom's flower garden, the snapdragons, uh, the annual flower snapdragons. I love to like squeeze them and make the mouths open and close like snapdragons. I loved that. That was like such a specific memory of being like, wow, these flowers are so beautiful. And then the also the flower that I remember specifically from her garden when I was a child where the corn flowers, the bachelor buttons, the brilliant, brilliant blue bachelor buttons come to find out just recently. I mean, I guess I knew that those were edible flowers, but they make a beautiful addition to potpourris and tea blends when they are dried um, because they, they really maintain their color. Of course, it takes a whole lot of flowers because they dry into just very, very tiny, tiny, very, very lightweight plant material. So I don't, I'm sure that there is, are some medicinal properties. I don't know what they are, but I think just like the beauty adding to um, blends or dried flower arrangements or potpourris, um, they're probably maybe even too delicate for dried flower arrangements, but they they're just, there's not a lot of really brilliant blue flowers like that. And so the annual cornflower bachelor button um, is so lovely and, and really easy to start from seed. If you have a garden or even a, a pot that you have some soil in, just all you need is a little bit of bare ground. Um, you can, in the spring, spread the seeds and just kind of cover over with a very light layer of dirt and keep them moist until they start germinating. And you'll have a beautiful patch. And now you can also get ones, you know, mixtures that have pinks and whites in them as well. So those are some of my very first flower garden memories. Wishing you all the best in this new year. And as we approach the very early part of spring, the beginning of February, may you tune in to the return of the light if you're in the Northern Hemisphere and really become very sensitive to the the very subtle energies, the life forces as they begin to stir under the ground and the buds begin to swell. And really, um, the light just takes on a whole new tone in a couple of weeks as we move into February. I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Herb Podcast. Uh, if you would love to shoot me an email or a message on Instagram. Let me know what you would want to see out of the Healthy Herb Podcast in 2023. 
what um, herbs do you want to learn more about? What topics do you want me to cover? I'm really open at this point as to where this podcast is going to go in 2023. But I do commit to being here and continuing to put out some information and inspiration to help you to incorporate herbs into your everyday living and health and self-care routines. You can find me on Instagram, Facebook, my website, all with the tag Soledago Herb School. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Bridget Doherty. Until next week, be well, let intuition guide you, and have fun with herbs. For listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.